Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox and with me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, what's happening? Uh, not a whole lot. Last night, dude, we just had like the most crazy thunderstorm, lightning storm. I guess it's the same thing. Um, but I, I swear the lightning was coming back, like coming down in my yard, my neighbor's yard. It was weird. I've never, I've never been that close. I think to lightning before. That sounds scary as shit, dude. Dude, it was pretty scary. Actually. I was like, <laughs> I'm always like, you know, this is kind of like biblical stuff, not to get all re- religious <laughs> again, but I was like, this is weird. Like I'm actually like mildly like afraid to go. Well, definitely to go outside, but, um, did it hit any of your trees or anything? Well, that's what I was wondering this morning. No, and it didn't. But it, I don't think it came down in my yard. But wherever it came down, it was something where I could hear like the static. Mm. I've never heard that before. It was usually you hear some sort of crackle, you know, far away. You count a second or two, and you're like, "Oh, okay, that's how far it is," and it might be close. It might be two seconds away, and that's pretty close. I think was like five seconds is like a mile or something. That's what I remember as a kid. But yeah. Um, this was, I, it's, it's like I could hear it like coming up from the ground or something and it was just right outside the window. It was, it was insane. So, that's, but it was kind of fun. That's wild, dude. That sounds, uh, that sounds scary. Yeah. And then today it's like perfectly normal and sunny and nice and it's like nothing ever happened. So the, I'm, I'm always, as a Californian, I'm always weirded out by all of the crazy weather that we get all across the country. Like I saw one time I was in Denver and saw the world's giantest like thunderstorm in the middle of the summer. Mm. Um, and then when I lived in Boston for a while, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe how there would always be crazy thunderstorms in the summertime. I mean, California, we just do not have that at all. It's like yeah. <laughs> once the rain stops in the spring, it's, it's like, it is not raining, you know, till October or November, mm-hmm. <laughs> not once. Yeah. So that's always a, always a shocker to me. Well, anyway, I'm glad you're okay. Um, today on the show, we have a law student query from Pakistan. We have, uh, believe it or not, we have a user report for my uh, Logic Games playbook. We have a question from a paralegal about a dual degree program. Um, we have a listener who wants to know why his reading comprehension scores are so erratic and also uh, how to speed up on the logic games. So we're going to have to yell at him a little bit. Okay. Um, before we get into all that, we have uh, 435 members now in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. We have 15 patrons on Patreon <laughs> donating $92 every month. So that's up one patron and $1. One dollar. Yep, <laughs> but we but we really appreciate it. It's like you know what it is is it's just like a little virtual high five or pat on the back or whatever. So yeah, if yeah. you want to just join the join the team, go to Patreon, give us a dollar a month. You can afford it. Uh, stop being a cheapskate. Give us a dollar a month and help us keep the lights on here at the Thinking LSAT podcast. Um, you can always email the show help at thinkinglsat.com. That'll uh, get you into my inbox and Ben's inbox. And we will uh, get you on the show agenda if your email is not a complete waste of our time. Yeah. Um, but no, we really appreciate people uh, writing in and we respond all the time to, I think one of us probably responds to every single email. I think so. Yeah. So we try. So uh, do email help at thinkinglset.com. Um, 
you know, quick commercial. We're both in business. You can go to strategyprep.com to learn all about Ben's uh, live classes in DC and his online program and his one-on-one tutoring. You can go to foxlsat.com if you'd like to learn about my live classes, which are in Los Angeles and San Francisco. Uh, I also have a pretty robust online program and I do one-on-one tutoring online. Um, <clears throat> ready to dive into these emails? Yeah. Well, speaking of numbers, I haven't heard you talk about the number of downloads per month in a long time. Have you looked oh. at that recently? I have. Um, it, we are we are nearing one million total downloads, um, but Whoa. it's roughly something like uh, I think we're doing twenty five or thirty thousand downloads a month. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So pretty good. Um, Blueberry weirdly they they made like a um, they adjusted the way they calculate the downloads so it looked like we we got a big haircut like at the beginning of this year, mm. um, but we're still way up compared to like last year same month. So we're okay. um, instead of doing like three hundred percent as much, we're doing like you know fifty um, percent more something like that. So hmm. okay. then we did then we did last year year over year. Yeah. It can't keep growing exponentially forever as much as we would like it to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just not uh, mathematically possible. Hey, did you, would you like to have your mind blown? I would, please. Okay, dude, check this out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you shuffle a, car, a deck of cards. Okay. What do you think the odds are that that particular 52-card sequence has never occurred before? Uh... Well, is it- I'm, ta- I'm talking about all the decks of cards in the entire history of the world. There has uh, never been a deck that is arranged the way the, the way the deck in your hand, the one you're holding right now. What are the odds that that is a unique 52 card sequence that has never occurred before? Well, so I'm just trying to think of how many sequences there are. And if there are 52 cards, it'd be 52 factorial. <laughs> Correct. Um, so it seems like there are a lot of options out there, but I can't imagine that they haven't been, (laughs) a lot of them haven't been done already, you know? Right. That's what my intuition told me as well. And I, you know, this, Ben, I'm a very intuitive (laughs) type of a thinker, right? Yeah. yeah. I like to reach snap judgments, but, uh, I'm also open to, um, rationality, you know, reason and, uh, figuring things out. Sure. And so I heard this from a credible source Mm -hmm. and, and I later then laid there in bed with my calculator on my phone and actually confirmed this. Yeah, it it is a near certainty that mm-hmm. every time you shuffle the deck, as long as you shuffle it fairly, it's a near certainty that that sequence has never occurred before. Because fifty-two factorial is ginormous, is, is a staggeringly large number. Would you like to hear a little illustration of how big that number is? I would like to hear an illustration because right now I'm looking at that number. Uh, I just googled it, and it's so many. Digits that I don't even know how to describe. Just be careful, it. or you're going to break your computer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you don't. It's like do, do, does not compute. Um, okay, so check it out. Yeah, here's how big. Here's how big 52 factorial is. This yeah. is, by the way, shamelessly stolen from the internet. Um, I can't take credit for this, but so uh, if you like Google this, you'll find a little cool video about it. But here's here's how big 52 factorial is. Mm-hmm. Um, you start arranging. The, the sequences one per second. Okay. Cause we're going to, we're going to see how long it takes to get to sure. 
okay. to, to, to do all the different sequences. Mm-hmm. So one, one sequence per second. Mm-hmm. You're ready? Go. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. You started doing it. You're arranging, yeah. you're arranging one per second, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep going for 1 billion years. Oh my goodness. Hold on. Yeah. Now take one step. Hmm? Now wait another billion years. Now take another step and keep going like that all the way around the earth at the equator. <laughs> Ho- hold on. How many steps? Hold, is that? hold on. Hold okay. on, Ben. This, uh, we're not even, yeah. this is not even close, not even scratching the surface. Okay. Okay. Because when you get all the way around the earth, you then take one drop of water out of the Pacific Ocean. Okay. You go around again. One billion years per step. Oh, get out of town. You keep when you get around again, you take another drop out of the Pacific Ocean. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You continue doing this until you have emptied the Pacific Ocean. One drop at a time. One drop at a time. One uh every time you go all the way around the earth, one billion years per step. Yes. Yeah. You take one drop out of the ocean. You you keep going until you empty the Pacific Ocean. When you empty the Pacific Ocean, you put a piece of paper on the ground. Mm-hmm. The ocean magically refills and you do the process again. Oh. When the ocean is empty again, you put another piece of paper on the ground. Mm-hmm. The process repeats. When that stack of paper reaches the sun, oh. you, okay. are now, you are now one thousandth of the way there. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like one big. half or something. <laughs> That's how long that's how long 52 factorial seconds is. Hmm. So that's how many combinations there are. Each of those seconds is one of the combinations of 52 factorial cards. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so um so it sounds like what you're saying here is if you shuffle the cards well, chances are it's been done several times before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely this sequence must have happened before. <laughs> yeah. Because I have a special snowflake. <laughs> we're all special. We're all very special. Wow, hey, that's cool, well, man. Yeah. While we're on um, complete tangents, I want to give uh, one, and this might be final pitch. Um, at least I'll try to get off of this topic. But I just finished rereading Don't Go to Law School Unless. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A law professor's inside guide to maximizing opportunity and minimizing risk. Mm, yeah, yeah. By by Professor Paul Campos. Okay. The book that you're uh, shamelessly copying, I guess, or is that what's going I, on? I, it's like I'm demotivated to even write this new book now because this this book is so fucking good. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, it's a hundred pages. Yeah, and it's just straight up. You, I, I mean, really, to the listeners. You are a fool if you do not read this book before you go to law school. Hmm. I, I really mean that. You are you are foolish if you don't read that book. Just do it. Just just read it. And if if it doesn't change your perspective, then okay, whatever. It, it that was twelve dollars and you know um, three hours of your time. <laughs> but it should change your perspective on law school. Um, that's don't go to law school unless what made me think of it was that he's got a whole thing in here about being special snowflake mm, and how mm. everybody, how everybody thinks that they're going to be, you know, the exception to, um, 
these statistics. They all think they're going to be RBG or something. Right. Yeah, of course. They're, everybody's going to be, you know, arguing in front of the Supreme Court and, and everybody's going to be, everybody thinks they're going to be the one who, you know, bucks the, um, bucks the employment trends and, and they're going to be the one who, um, oh, they're, the, they're going to be the one who gets the best grades mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going to be the one who gets to transfer to a better law school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, please read this book. Don't go to law school unless if you are at all considering law school. Um, I do, I do think he makes the case a little bit too strongly that you shouldn't even go. Mm-hmm. He, he think <laughs> he actually says that it hurts you like to have a JD on your resume. Mm. It actually hurts you mm. if you're, if you're not trying to be a practicing lawyer. And I, I don't know about all that. That seems a little overblown. That's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. But, you know, at least read it and let him make his argument. And it, it, it really could save you in just hundreds of thousands of dollars. So please, please read that book. That's interesting. So I guess people should have two books. You should keep writing your book because basically it's like, don't go to a law school unless, and if you pass that test and you're like, okay, I'm going, then the next book is don't pay for law school. And so now you're going, but you're not going to pay. Yeah. I, I intend to keep, uh, to keep writing it. I've been on a little bit of a break because I, I ordered a whole bunch of books about law school admissions and, mm. and just law school generally. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading a book right now about, um, it's about 24 different lawyers, um, like what their life is like. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, it's fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I'm reading about all these different profiles of lawyers, um, and I have one here called Law School Confidential. I'm going to read. I'm just, I kind of want to get like a survey of what's out there. You know, I'll probably reread Anne's book. Mm. Um, and, and then I'll, uh, I'll get back on it. So, yeah, I do intend to. You want to you wanna brush up on it. your knowledge before you start preaching? <laughs> well, no, more like I, <laughs> that's never stopped me before, Ben. <laughs> um, no, I just want to, I, I I just want to see what other books are out there and try to contribute something new. I mean, it, it is much of what I wanted to say in my book has already been said in the Campos book. Yeah. So, it's not going to stop me from saying it again, but I mean, in the meantime, um, cause people keep asking me like, Hey, when's the book kind of going to come out? And it's like, well, how about just start with this Campos book? Cause yeah. it, <laughs> it really could, could, um, save you from a gigantic disaster. So please at least read that book. Yeah. Okay. Should we get down to actual business? Let's do it. All right. Go ahead. I'm going to let you take this first. All right. So, dear sir, Hmm. hope you are well. I am a final year law student from Pakistan and I am ND aspirant. What? Do you know what I have no idea. I think think it's probably a typo. I think he wanted JD there. Uh, Yeah, of course. Yes. This, This email, as you will notice, is just rife with typos. Well, thank you for writing, Muhammad. Um, I've listened to a few podcasts if you and Ben, of you and Ben, but I loved it. And it were knowledgeable, knowledgeable, and informative. My current grade is 2.8, and my only LSAT practice test diagnostic score is a 140. I have almost a year left for graduation. My queries are, number one, comma, interesting. How much LSAT and GPA do I need to get into the top 40 law schools? Oh, we don't answer these questions anymore. 
Right. Easily Googleable. By the way, for the Googleable. I don't think I've yes. ever heard anyone say that, but I like <clears> it. Really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For for the listening audience, Ben is uh correcting these typos as he's reading. Um this is <laughs> this email is not well uh well written at all. And, I'm, I'm um, getting the gist from the words and I'm kind of formulating my own yeah, sentences here. He, he's, he's translating. <laughs> um how much LSAT and GPA do you need to score to get into the top 40 law schools? I'll tell you this. You need a hell of a lot better than a 2.8. Yeah. Well, top 40, I mean, 2.8 could get in. You just got to have an awesome LSAT score, whatever Well, otherwise is. you're going to pay ridiculous amounts of money to go to school. Yeah. I mean, when I see a 2.8, really my first reaction is don't do it. Don't even. That they, must be one of so, Campos's unless, right? <laughs> don't go... Unless your GPA is higher than what three five three two something like that two eight that's starting to get what was your GPA <laughs> yeah mine was a two point five and I know that definitely should yeah. not have been going to law school yeah. you know yeah. with my two point five and one seventy nine I mean if I would have been smarter about it I could have probably gotten myself a full ride somewhere yeah but um. <clears throat> Boy, I mean, here we got a 2.8 and a diagnostic of 140. It's not, yeah, this is not this is not looking the, good. This is not a good candidate. This is a do not go to law school period. I mean, I, 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 how are you going to possibly get a scholarship? I just don't see it. Sorry, I just don't. I hate to crush people's dreams, but I mean, sometimes that's the best you can do for people. No, you make a decision, you move in a different direction, and you start making progress. It's a big, big world. There's so many other things you could do. I wonder what <laughs> Muhammad's plan is. is there, like Law school in Pakistan wouldn't be taking the LSAT, would they? So he's no, planning he's, to come he, in here, I guess? No, he's wanting to come. Yeah, he wants to come to the U.S. Hmm. Okay, question number two. Hopefully I would maintain the same GPA till the end of graduation or maybe get a 2.9. I hope you maintain it. I hope it doesn't drop. Do you advise anything regarding it? Yeah, don't let it drop. Try to get it higher, but your LSAT score is going to do more to help you at this point. If if you can miraculously turn that into like a 160, 165, yeah. but otherwise don't go. It's probably... Yeah, it's probably super hard to get good grades in Pakistan too. Wait, what? why? You know, uh, well, because other countries have like actual educational systems. Oh, you know, it's just like super, super highly competitive. Hmm. Uh, thousands of students, and they just do nothing but study. Yeah. And they're not like Americans, <laughs> where everybody just expects that they're going to get a three point nine. <laughs> yeah, and complains when you know? they don't. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not. You know, I don't, I don't mean to insult Muhammad on his grades. It's who knows what. I would love to know what that percentile is at his school. Sure. And maybe the LSAC, maybe the LSAC accounts for that. I I don't know. I, I don't know what what they're going to do. I mean, Mohammed, you're going to have to up, upload all your transcripts to the LSAC's credential assembly service. Which, by the way, Ben, you noticed that they raised the price on. Oh no! Um, What's it now, dude? It's fucking outrageous. They raised the price of the credential assembly service, and they raised the price of the reports. I think the reports now are like forty five dollars. Wait, what's the reports? So, I don't even know what that is. Well, you know the fee that they charge you for every school you what? apply to. I thought it was they like the report. What was what was it before? Thirty or twenty five? I think I, I want to say it was like thirty five, and now it's forty five. That's crazy. Because uh, pretty much every school requires that now, right? You can't apply in any other way. 
No, yeah, you have to use the credential assembly service. And and many schools are starting to waive their, you know, it's easy to get fee waivers yeah. now, right? You just ask for them. And, and many schools have just waived their application fee outright, like UC Davis. They just don't even charge an application fee anymore. But the LSAC is still going to charge you $45 to send a fucking electronic report. Yeah. From the credential assembly service to the school. Well, it is a nonprofit, and I think they have things that they got to cover, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Officer oh, yeah. salaries, et cetera. They, <laughs> boon, boondoggles when they take law school reps to Hawaii. I, I, I had a law school rep tell me about that one time. Interesting. She would get taken on. Yeah, taken on these like lavish trips to Hawaii. Well, last with n- the other law school reps. Last night, uh, so we were doing a section from Test eighty three, the the most recent test, at least as of today, and um, some students had forgotten to bring their test, and it, it started to get to enough that I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, guys, we got to make sure to bring these tests because every time I print this out, I have to turn around and pay LSAC like eight bucks." Or you know, it's it's roughly eight yeah. eight dollars after you printing and stuff. Yeah, and they were blown away. You know, they're like, "Wait, what?" They're like, "No, no, it's not the printing; <laughs> it's the royalties." And it's like, "Oh, this isn't just like, you know, paper with ink on it. This is this is expensive stuff." But anyways, I digress. Question: Yeah, no they they take a shit ton of money. Um, by the way, Ben, you can steal this if you want. I call that in my classes when mm-hmm. someone forgets their test yeah. and I have to give them an extra test. Yeah. I call that the test of shame. The test of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does reduce the number of people who forget their tests. Nothing like using shame. <laughs> Dude, that's how, right. that's how we do it, though, we, we humans. Yeah. Number three, as I'm about to be a law graduate, wait, okay, um, I am preferring two years accelerated JD program over three years. What suggestion would you give? Um, good luck. There aren't really those here in the U S not very many anyway. Yeah. Sorry. That should be law school should be two years, but it's three. Yeah. Sorry. Number four, how much study and how many months I should do as I am having regular classes. Uh, <laughs> you just got to do what it takes to get your LSAT score up to the mid one sixties. Um, we would say, as we always say, aim for one hour a day, uh, and keep going. That's going to probably take you several months. Um, so I would say at least six. Yeah. You just kind of arbitrarily said mid one sixties there. You know, I want to revise what I said earlier. I I was like, how the hell could this guy possibly get a scholarship? Mm -hmm. But that's stupid because I forgot about the Thomas Jefferson automatic scholarship with a one fifty eight. Oh, wait, is it automatic? It's got to have a GPA minimum requirement. No. What? No, really? It's on the matrix. Yeah, it's on the scholarship matrix. Huh. 158 or higher, or maybe it's 159, but it's in the 150s. And it's a it's without any GPA requirement, you get an automatic full ride. And it, they don't take those scholarships away either. That's a one that's a that's a not a what do they call that? Un- Reducible. Unconditional? Well, unconditional. Yeah. Thank you. No conditions on that scholarship. Um so I take that back about Muhammad. I mean, if, if he gets himself to that 158 or 159 or whatever it is, I think Thomas Jefferson will let him go for free. What is Thomas I mean, he still Jefferson has to, ranked? Is that even ranked? <clears throat> not. Yeah, okay. not ranked. But who cares? I mean, it's free. You know, that's one thing that campus really, campus hits it hard that there is no difference between a school that's ranked you know 20th and a school that's ranked 50th. Mm-hmm. There's just no difference. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, who cares what it's ranked? It's a regional law school. It's you're, you're going to have a really hard time finding work as a lawyer, but that's the case. That's true. If you're going anywhere except for, I mean, the top, top, top schools. Yeah. And with a 2.8, you know, Muhammad is just, he arbitrarily is mentioning the top 40, but why, why that cutoff? I know. What, right. Why not the top 30? Why not the top 50? What, how did you arbitrarily choose 40? And I don't know. I, I just, the 40th law school in the country is not a good law school. You know, it's not, it's not a bad law school, mm-hmm. but it's also not like, oh boy, I go to this school and I'm going to be able to just punch my own ticket to success in the legal field. In the, in, it's like, no, Half of the people probably who go to that school are not going to end up practicing law. Sorry. That's how it is. Yeah. So anyway, at Thomas Jefferson, the the numbers are a lot worse than that. Yeah. But at least you won't be paying for it. Yeah. Anyway. Question five. Is it possible to get 170 plus from 140? Well, yes, it's possible. I don't think that's the question he's actually asking, though. Just take, take one step. Wait one billion years. You know, I mean, of course it's possible. Yeah. But you're going to have to demonstrate. You're going to have to demonstrate the work ethic. Yeah, you have to yeah, show us you can get to 150 and then show right. us that you can get to yeah. 160. Right. Right. It, it, yeah. I mean, 140 to above 170, that would be the biggest improvement I have ever seen in my career. Yeah. So, I mean, I have seen a student, I think, get 30 points, but that's just, it, it's, uh, it's exceedingly rare. Uh, very, very rare. I remember, um, I think it was within like the first two years of teaching, uh, there was a student who went up 31 points and ended, uh, uh, with a 179. And I think because it was kind of early on, I had this like impression that, Oh, like <laughs> this, this is a thing. I mean, I, that's funny. Yeah. It was like, it hasn't happened since. Right. <laughs> 20 points is not crazy, but no. 31, you know, it's just, it happens, but yeah. Anyways, question number six, LG and LR are my weakest. If you could give some suggestions, <laughs> uh, keep tips, keep, keep listening to the show. <laughs> um, yeah, in due time sections. I that's yeah, this is like this is like two days before the test when people are like, I'm really struggling in LR. Any tips or tricks? Uh I think I think Muhammad is vastly underestimating the amount of work ahead of him. Yeah. It ain't about tips, dude. Do all eighty three of the practice tests. You know, thoroughly review your, I mean, start one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> thoroughly review your mistakes. Logical reasoning. Why did you miss that question right there? That's all you have to worry about. Yeah. This one, yep. the one right in front of you. And by the way, for you at a one forty, you could spend all your time just only looking at the first 10 questions. Mm-hmm. You have to start getting those first 10, right? Yep. It'll be more efficient actually, if you only look at the first 10. And just make sure you're getting them right. All of them. You just shouldn't miss them in the first 10. By the way, just a PSA for anyone scoring in the 140s. If you're finishing sections, stop right now. Oh, (laughs) God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. 
Oh, I have no problem with speed, though, Ben. I have no problem with speed. <laughs> I, can, I can get through this section. I can finish it, no problem. I just need so to know yeah, how well, to get them right. <laughs> so can my niece, Haley. <laughs> she can finish the section in five minutes, dude. How old is Haley? Uh, tomorrow is Haley's 11th birthday. Congratulations, Haley. Yeah, she's the sweetest thing in the world. She's... She's just the best, but yeah, she, <laughs> she also would be able to finish the, the, the finish the test. And I, I wonder what Haley could score on an LSAT. Mm, 130. You could send her one for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle of the year. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So next question, as I am not a U.S. citizen, I don't know if this is relevant to that question, this question, but it says, could I get some partial or 25% scholarship if I got 170? <laughs> you could get a full ride to Thomas Jefferson. I don't think it has anything to do with your citizenship, right? I, I don't think citizenship is relevant. No. And probably and help I, you. I, yeah. You dude, you do not want a 25% scholarship. Nope. A 25% scholarship is a ripoff. That's a, that's you're paying an unconscionable amount of money to go to law you're, school. If you're there on a 25% scholarship, you're paying 25% markup because 50% is the actual cost of law school. Right. right? Half price is the actual cost. So if you get 25%, that means you're paying 75%, which means you're yeah. 25% well, above price. And when you say actual cost, you're referring to the total operating budget of the school, which includes all sorts of unnecessary shit and people getting vastly overpaid. Yeah. And Honolulu excursions. <laughs> I mean, these, right. These, these law professors and these, um, administrators of the schools are making just insane salaries. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about half a million dollars a year, three quarters of a million dollars a year. People are getting like ridiculously, brutally overpaid. So, but right. So what Ben's saying is, 50% is, is the average that people pay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if you're getting a 25% scholarship, yeah, you're paying more than the average person at that school. We got to blow up this game, Ben. This just can't, this, this shit cannot stand. This, this, cause this has to change. It does. It's, it's basically the, um, the result of the law school boom, right? Like 10 years ago. And it's the perverse incentives of the student loan system. Yeah. Oh, I mean the oh, the federal government, government the just government has to stop. They, they solved the problem, right. didn't they? <laughs> Dude, it, this is, yeah, this is the fault of our broken student loan system. We are loaning infinite amounts. There is no limit. There's no cap. <laughs> There's no cap, Ben. <laughs> There's no cap. <laughs> the federal government will loan will let you borrow. Unlimited amounts of unsecured student loan debt. Yeah. And you could do that when you're 20. Mm. How is this? And, and so then the law schools are like, oh, <laughs> okay. So we could charge literally whatever we want. But Nathan, it's a societal good. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers? <laughs> well, no, it's just <laughs> maybe if we were talking about doctors. It's interesting because it's like, yeah, I think that. I don't know. Some money going into education for some people makes sense, but for a lot of people, you'd be surprised how they can make it work if they don't have access to easy money, right? Like 
they would make it work, or they would decide not to make it work, and that would be the best decision because they're not paying for something that's not really worth it, right? Like the, it's creating perverse incentives on both sides. Like, oh, now school is cheaper, or it seems cheaper, because I can take out this loan and not even pay interest on it for while I'm in school and all this stuff. And it's like, wait, would you really buy this product if you weren't given such an incentive to buy it? Uh, well, they literally would not be able to. They wouldn't be able to. <laughs> you, and yeah, you, you write me a check for fifty grand, and and a it's a twenty one year old who is basically an adolescent, you know, and they're just like, oh sure, sign my name, boom, fifty get fifty thousand dollars in debt. And why exactly do you want to take out this loan? Well, my friend's sister is going to law school, so <laughs> I think I will too. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, get a full ride, Muhammad. Get a full ride. You don't. And if you get a 170, you definitely get a full ride. You can get a 160 and you can get that full ride to Thomas Jefferson. Yep. So look up Thomas Jefferson School of Law. Start there. I mean, that should be your baseline. Yeah. And like, oh, what you think? And I'm not talking to Muhammad now. I'm talking to anybody. But like, oh, you think you're. You think you're you're too you're not a Thomas Jefferson type of person? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Let's let's start with the baseline. You could go to Thomas Jefferson, you could get a JD, you could work your ass off, you could pass the bar. And okay, if you can get into a better school with a better scholar with you know, if you can get a scholarship to a better school, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna borrow hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go to, you know, the fortieth ranked law school in the country, mm-hmm. It's just a foolish decision. It's just, it's just stupid. You're living in fantasy land and, and I, I don't, <laughs> I really hope that you will make a smarter decision. Yeah. All right. Question number eight, what study advices would you give me as I'm starting from scratch apart from reading the New York times for RC? Well, <laughs> we wouldn't give you that. advice. <laughs> uh, don't read the New York Times for reading comprehension passages or practice. Read reading comprehension passages. Um, what advice would you give right. me? The same advice we give all the time. 35-minute sections, review the heck out of them. Don't complete sections. Do 10 questions, get them all right. If you're not getting the first 10 right, then we'll shoot for the first five, dang it, and get those right. And once you can start doing that, then you can confidently say, I'm ready to go to the next level, which may be the next seven out of seven. I I do think reading the New York Times is probably a good plan for Muhammad. Not though in an intention of not not to try to improve his LSAT reading comprehension. Though I mean, just to get better at English. Well, to give Muhammad a little bit of tough love. This was an exceptionally poorly written email. um, As far as it, you know, (laughs) the emails we get, we get some some good ones and some bad ones. This is on the very bottom of the pile Mm -hmm. as far as typos, grammar, spelling, just like either this was super lazy, which I don't think, I think, I think Muhammad is just, you know, like English is not his first or not his only language and he's struggling with English. Yeah. And you, you got to understand that law students in the U S are English specialists. I mean, lawyers are gladiators of the English language. And your English needs to get much, much better before you think about <laughs> conquering the LSAT, let alone law school in the U.S., let alone the bar exam, let alone practicing law in the U.S. Yeah. 
So read the New York times. Absolutely. Read books and books and books and books. And, you know, five, 10 years from now, maybe your English will be better um, to the point where you're going to have a, a, just a, a more legitimate chance at, at, at law school in the U S yeah. Thanks for writing Muhammad. Yeah. Muhammad closes. Really appreciate it. Yours sincerely Muhammad. Yeah. All right, next one. Hi, Nathan. I wanted to let you know that your Logic Games playbook has done wonders for my LSAT prep. Hmm. Did you, did you write months, this, dude? I did. I, did. <laughs> I, I like it. it it's, got, it's got good punctuation yeah. and everything. I know. <laughs> After a few months of Power Score Logic Games review, I felt like I was getting nowhere. I was making the same mistakes over and over, even on the simplest of games. I was getting 50% of most Logic Games questions correct on each practice test. After discovering and listening to numerous episodes of the podcast, I finally made the decision to purchase your playbook. Safe to say, this was the best decision I could have made. After only a few weeks of utilizing your simple LG methods okay, I know and you attacking didn't write the. <coughs> that is correct. Sorry, Good spot, Ben. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> that is, nope, that is an excellent point. Please do not say utilizing. You could just put using. That would be fine. After only a few weeks of utilizing your simple LG methods and attacking the games with that, quote, fuck off attitude, I am averaging zero to three questions wrong per LG section. I am very inconsistent with LR and have been struggling big time on the last few practice tests. So, as you may have guessed, I just purchased your Logical Reasoning Encyclopedia. I'm looking forward to kicking the shit out of these questions going forward with your help. <clears throat> thanks. Thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for your uh, patronage. And I'm glad the Logic Games playbook helped. And I hope the Logical Reasoning Encyclopedia will help as well. Um, both of those books, by the way, are available on Amazon and I should, while I'm on this topic, um, if you have used those books, dear listeners, if you could just write me a quick review on Amazon, that would really help other people find those books. Um, I know that's cheesy and people are asking you to write reviews all the time, but, um, I don't advertise those books at all. And so if you could just write about your experience using the book on Amazon, um, that would really help spread the word. Just tell, anyway. just tell us how you use, utilized it. Yeah. Tell us how you utilized the books. Thank you. <laughs> um, I will be taking my first LSAT in June. I have been scoring around 155 on my latest tests, but I'm confident that I can get to the 160s consistently by June. Hopefully I can have the same success with your logical reasoning methods that I had with your logic games ones. I feel like I am a rather unique candidate for law school. Can you be rather unique, Ben? No, you either are unique or you're not. You're one of a kind or you're paired with someone else. Okay. I completed a bachelor's in biochem and am currently finishing up an MPH with a focus in healthcare policy. I had a sorry 3.1 in undergrad, but managed a 4.0 in grad school. Any suggestions on ways in which I could maximize my chances to not only get into law school, but hopefully pay little to nothing? My plan is to apply to a wide range of schools for 2019. Please feel free to share this on the podcast. Use only my first name. Thank you to both you and Ben for all your help with the podcast. You've both helped to maintain my sanity throughout these past few months of prep. Best. Corey, one more thing. Halo Top is god awful. 
can't believe people eat that shit. Uh, I would just go back to this comment about being unique. I don't think this is unique at all. No, no. Completing a, a bachelor's in biochem and then an MPH with a focus in healthcare policy doesn't seem outlandish at all. And then having a 3.1 and then having a 4.0 is not surprising either because most people who end up in grad school end up doing very well in their particular program. So most law schools rightly view grad school grades as inflated and not really representative of where you're at. It's not a bad thing. People get lower than 4.0s in grad school, so it's good that you got that. It's not going to hurt you by any means. But I I think that if I'm reading between the lines here, I think this person is thinking, oh, like look at this 4.0. I can now show that I'm so much better than my 3.1. But I don't know that it actually says that much. That's far from unique, right? Everybody has that. I mean, you do want to write that addendum. You're going to want to point out that you studied biochem Mm-hmm. and that biochem is hard. And I mean, you know, like you took organic chemistry mm-hmm. and you took a bunch of hard math and, you know, you're going to point that out in your addendum. But your 4.0 in grad school, they're not going to give a shit about because everybody gets a 4.0 in grad school or, yeah, many, many people get a 4.0 in grad school. Um, the thing, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you just need a better LSAT score. Mm-hmm. Like, Getting to the 160s, that's not going to impress anybody. Yeah, right, your 3.1 undergrad that they're going to still they're going to take that 3.1 very seriously mm-hmm. un- until you show them a 170. When you show them a 170, then they're going to look a little deeper. You know, then they're going to go, "Oh shit, this Corey person has some horsepower." Oh, biochem. Oh, I bet that's a hard major. <laughs> 3.1, but look, 170, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just don't think <sighs> that 4.0, I, I think people, I think Corey might be trying to like lean on that 4.0 for more than it's actually worth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you, if you want to get into a great school and if you want to get a great scholarship, which you do, um, you need a big LSAT score. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's really going to tie the whole story together. Yep. So that's it. I mean, set your sights as high as you put. Po- Obviously, you got to get to the 160s and 165 before you can get to 170. But depending where you want to go to school, um, you know, the, the 170 is the thing that's going to make them actually care about your addendum. So just, um, yeah, keep grinding on the LSAT. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. And I agree. Agree. Halo Top is the worst. <laughs> I still need to try that on the show. Mm. Dear Nathan. Just make sure you have a vomit bucket. Oh, I'll have it ready. Okay. I'm pretty good at holding my vomit. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate throwing up. <sighs> um, thanks. Oh, so sorry. Dear Nathan. Dear Nathan. Hmm. Well, okay. Thanks for your podcast and all of the free, valuable information you provide to law school hopefuls. By the way, I was looking ahead in this email and it's really well formatted. The person clearly thinks about what, who is this? Latte? Latte Mm -hmm. writes. Um, So I'm going to offer some upgrade tips that are nuanced, but something that this person might actually appreciate. Nice. Um, For one, the phrase all of, 
can almost always be just replaced with all. So thanks for your podcast and all the free, valuable information you provide. Even better than that, it could just say, and the free, valuable information you provide. Sure. Um, just a phrase to watch out for. Yeah, all of. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. It's almost always uh, extra words. Here, am, it's here. You could, yeah, just omit it. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, you could just get rid of it entirely, and that's yeah. almost always the case. There's always these things you can just get rid of. But anyways, I'm a relatively new listener, but I love listening to you and Ben discuss the LSAT and law school. Semicolon. Your insights are funny, thoughtful, and of course, well reasoned. I don't know about the of course there, but thank no, you. No, I, I would. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Giving us a little too much credit there. Yeah. A little, much, a little too much flattery here. Yeah. I'm a non-traditional student, 28 years old. Uh, it's not, uh, that's not non-traditional. 28 years old does not make you non-traditional. Okay. No. And an internationally published novelist. Okay, that was an unnecessary comma, but anyways. <laughs> internationally published novelist. Okay. That's call- the, that I have to, I mean, <laughs> internationally published? Uh, okay. Was this published in one other country and not you're here? Either, yeah, that's like a little. It just makes it seem like you're overselling it. So even if you're not, that's a that's a Trump sell, right? Like a Trumpism. Yeah. Great, you're a great internationally published <laughs> novelist. <laughs> you're <A> renowned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, please call me Latte if you decide to read this on the podcast. While I love literature and find writing personally fulfilling. My book deal and the publishing process taught me that writing was not something I wanted to pursue as a career. Before my book deal, I was an English major. I dropped out of school following my book deal, and that, along with some other personal factors, trashed my GPA. Hmm. I am... Again, unnecessary comma. That's weird. I am confident that I'll be able to raise it, however, and I expect to apply to law schools with a 3.0 to 3.2 GPA. I understand this is still subpar, but it is so much better than where I started. Okay. In December, I will graduate with a two-year degree in, in paralegal studies from a local community college. This program was recommended to me as a way to discover if I liked studying law and I will pass that recommendation along to you and anyone listening if you decide to read this on the podcast. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think a two-year degree in paralegal studies is a good way to discover if you like studying the law? Yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna. It, it's actually probably one of the better ways to, to figure out if you are going to like law practice. Yeah, yeah, paralegals are like doing actual legal work. Yeah. If you don't like that shit, you're probably going to hate being a lawyer. So, I mean, it's going to be very different from what law school is like. Yeah, this is the nuts and bolts. Law school is much more theoretical. Law school is nothing like being an actual lawyer. I think paralegal is much more like being a lawyer. Hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Because um, it's like what the it's the work you have to do <laughs> that has to yeah get isn't done. it like what motions look like and yeah different different kinds of filings and I think that's I I think I mean what I've heard paralegals say you're yeah. actually learning much more of what what lawyers actually do but I don't know hmm. this program has been invaluable connecting me to the local legal community, getting me a job as a paralegal in a law firm, and exposing me to several different areas of the law. 
of law. The Pell Grant is paying 120% of my community college tuition, and the credits will count toward my LSAC GPA. Well, it's good to hear that they count towards your LSAC GPA. There's that Pell Grant thing, providing incentives for people. Um, after I finish my two-year degree in paralegal studies, I will obviously need to finish a bachelor's degree. This leads to my question about dual degree programs. My two options are currently a bachelor's in sociology with a concentration in criminology or a bachelor's in economics. If I, deci- if I decide to study sociology, I will go on to pursue a dual JDMSW, master's in social work. Why? <laughs> why, why, why do you have to do that? If your goal is to get a JD, just because you decided to get a bachelor's in sociology doesn't mean you need to do a dual JD MSW. I think, I think the whole like dual JD, whatever, whether it's MBA, um, especially if you're getting like a dual JD medical, you know, <laughs> become a doctor as well as a, a lawyer at the same time, that just shows to me that you don't know what you want to do with your life. And I would choose one or the other and commit to it. And it sounds to me like if you don't know whether you want to be a, an attorney or something else, then you should probably be something else. 100%. Okay. I will go on and pursue a dual JD MSW. And if I study economics, I will go on to pursue a dual JD MBA. Like it, you, I don't know. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. The only reason to go to law school is to practice law. And to be a practicing lawyer, your MSW or your MBA is not shit. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything for you. It just makes your life more miserable in law school, reduces your grades, and reduces your chances of getting that And costs more money. Year. <laughs> yeah, it costs more money and that first-year job, which then decreases your chances of getting a good job, et cetera, yada, yada. Okay. Don't do dual degrees ever. We live Did you in notice the con- spelling mistake? Yeah, what's up with that? Dual? Yeah. What? Three times. Three times. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, what was I going to say about this dual stuff? Um, don't do it. It's a ripoff. It's don't just, do it. I, I guess, yeah, something else. Oh, yeah. You got to realize something, that we live in an economy that rewards concentration that focus, right? Like no one wants a jack of all trades. They want someone who's an expert in something. So anyways, moving on. Yeah. This is very similar to, uh, campus has a chapter that says there is no such thing as international environmental sports law. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just ruthlessly just ripping on all of these stupid specializations, mm-hmm. you know, that schools have where they have an international public law or, entertainment law or just any of these, you know, some of them are really pretty, pretty hilarious actually, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to get people to come space, cyber and telecommunications law. Yeah. <laughs> or Southwestern law school, which has the entertainment and media law Institute. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like basically what campus is saying is all this shit is just a hundred percent fake yeah. and that it's, it's just marketing. Yeah. And I, I think that these dual degree programs are very similar. Yeah. What do you think, Ben, about the choice between just if it's just, okay, Latte has to pick an undergraduate major. Mm -hmm. What do you think about sociology versus economics? 
economics is going to stand is is so much better of a way to prepare i think but i would just do whatever interests you most because you're going to get the best grades and that's your best chance of getting in yeah if you're serious about just going to law school and being a lawyer um, yeah but as far as its own on its own merits i mean i i would definitely lean toward the econ degree especially if you can get a bs i mean yeah something where they make you actually study some math it's just it's a, it's good for you it's, it's good, good for you. You. Yeah. you need to study some math. You need to study some statistics. You Physics. Know, you need to know your way around a spreadsheet and learn how to do some 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 kinds of analysis, like real actual analysis. Anyway, go ahead, Ben. Oh, I was just going to say that uh, physics students, econ students, math students—they're the uh, highest performing groups on the LSAT. Yeah, um, computer science, electrical engineering. Yep. Uh, anybody who had to study something technical that helps you in life in a million ways, including on the LSAT. Like I can't, you know, these like pre-law bachelor's degree programs. It's, it's <laughs> like, what? It's just a fake degree. That's a fake degree too. Yeah. Oh, I took a class on constitutional law. I loved it. So now I'm going to go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a constitutional lawyer. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you and three other people. Uh, okay. Well, anyways, I am deeply passionate about access to legal counsel, regardless of income. Oh dear. So is everyone else. I love helping people and find the idea of working in the public sector or for a nonprofit very appealing. However, I also love what? However, I also love money. I started. <laughs> I'm just thrown off by this. I started seriously considering a degree in economics at the suggestion of my macroeconomics professor. The fields, social work and finance, aren't dissimilar in my mind. Low-income people obviously have less access to effective legal counsel, and poverty is a poisonous, arborous snake. What's that? <clears throat> Ouroboros. I don't know. I have never seen that word before. Oh, geez. This sounds like vocabulary what's what's the, what's the word i want to say here prognostication googleable Pro, <laughs> what'd you get ouroboros a circular symbol depicting a snake or less commonly a dragon swallowing its tail as an emblem of wholeness or infinity Oh, You've seen, seen the picture before of yeah, a snake or a dragon yeah. swallowing yeah. its own tail. Okay, yeah. so now we got to go back to the context. Okay, a poisonous Ouroboros snake. And so it eats its own tail. It, it, it's uh, it keeps going around uh, and around. Hmm. Okay. You could have said any other word beside Ouroboros. You know, when you use a word that people don't understand, it's a little bit of an insult. I don't feel insulted personally. No, I'm glad I now know this word, but yeah, but it's just like, um, boy, if if we don't know that word, <laughs> not, not that not that we have the the greatest vocabularies in the world, but pretty damn good. Yeah, that's a word you probably don't. You can save it for when you're on the Supreme Court. When you're on the Supreme Court, you can write whatever the fuck you want. So, according to Google, um, this word has spiked since the 1900s in its usage. But huh. let's talk about the spiking here. It's gone from being used 0% of the time <laughs> to being used 
And that includes all its variants. Anyways, moving on. Sa- save it for your Supreme Court opinions. <laughs> That's right. You want to be the new John Paul Stevens? That's fine. You, yeah. You get to first get on the Supreme Court, then you can start using that word. Yeah, and then every, and then all law students will now know that word and they'll love yeah. it. However, I'm not sure how I could marry those two interests in practice: your love of money and. Well, <laughs> it's a bizarre position to take that the fields of social work and finance aren't dissimilar. It would be hard to come up with a field, two fields that are more different than social work and finance. (laughs) Wall Street. (laughs) Social work is literally working with the poorest people in the world. Finance is all about working with the richest people in the world. They are 100% opposites. So I don't know how you could marry those two interests either. Huh. Also, anyways, aren't dissimilar. They are similar, (laughs) but okay. It would... (laughs) It would take me two years to complete an economics degree, whereas a sociology degree would take only one year. Well, that that makes... <laughs> that settles it, huh? Yeah. But I think the economics degree and subsequent JD MBA would open doors for me in the <sighs> private sector that the JD MSW wouldn't. What is your opinion on these dual degree programs? Do you have an, do you have anecdotal experience from students that you can share? Yes. They were confused and ultimately ended up only practicing in one field or the other. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, you, you, you got you to get more serious, Latte, about what kind of a job you're actually going to get after you go to law school. You need to stop fantasizing. This whole just like, I think it would open doors. Well, all right, what door? Yeah. Whose door? Who what are you talking na- about? Give me a name. What are you talking about? Did someone come to you and say, "Well, you need a JD MBA to apply MBA to apply to this prog- right. <laughs> job"? Sh- blah, show blah, me blah. right. Show me a job that requires a JD MBA, and it's a job that you want, and you're going to go through hell to get there. Yeah, this is just this is this is fantasy. This is I don't know what kind of a job I want, and I I'm not going to actually do the hard work. I mean, the truth is, you might face reality and realize that there are no jobs for lawyers that you're going to actually want. You have a passionate passion for working with poor people. It's going to be really, really hard to find a lawyer job working for poor people, especially if you love money. If you want to work, if you love money, work in finance. Do your economics degree. In fact, even better than that, do a finance degree. And go to work in finance and yeah. get up, give up on the lawyer thing. And then donate. Which is it? Yeah, exactly. You want to, yeah, right. You want right. You could go get rich and then donate money to, um, what is it? Legal aid or whatever. The thing about money is that it, it can, not that a lot of people who are rich do this, but if you really are passionate about the helping the poor, making a lot of money frees up your time you can then decide to make less money than you could have using the money you've made to then spend that time helping other people. Or you can just go help other people. But I, I'm not too sure how you want to do both here. It seems uh, confusing. JD, MBA, so that you can... What? So that you can do what? I don't... Yeah. Okay. Uh, Latte continues, I am confident in my ability to score high enough, a high enough LSAT to get substantial scholarships to the well-respected regional law school that offers these programs. 
the dual degree programs, which we okay. don't want Latte to do. Yeah. I scored a 148 on my first cold timed practice test. And after I realized that you are supposed to draw diagrams in the logic game section, duh, my, that I'm reading that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's in the email. That's not bad editorializing. <laughs> my, my score jumped seven points. Okay, cool. I'm sure that a score in the mid to high 160s is within reach. But wait, did those seven points come from your game section? Or just go up overall? I would be curious about that. But anyways, I'm sure that a score in the mid to high 160s is within reach. Hmm. 148 cold diagnostic, um, I would give you a 50% chance of making it into the 160s. Mm-hmm. And if you have really strong work ethic and you're, you're willing to really grind it out, for, and if you were really shitty on the games to start with, which it sounds like Latte was, yeah, I, I would bump it up from 50%, you know, give you yeah. a 75% chance that you're going to make it somewhere into the 160s. I don't know about high 160s. I mean, now you're talking about a 20%, a 20 point improvement. Mm hmm. Which, you know, that puts you in the, what do you think, 10th percentile of all, imp- or 90th percentile of all improvements? Yeah, I think 20 that. points? Yeah. It's just, it's not that common. In a class of 20, I would expect two people to improve sure. by 20 points. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, it, it's funny. People love to just pop off about their confidence. Yeah. I'm sure that a score within the, in the mid to high 160s is within reach. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> I mean, <good. laughs> Cool. <laughs> I hope you're right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, good. Do it. Uh, yeah. I apologize for what turned out to be an incredibly long email. I only wrote to ask what you thought of dual JD programs, and this novel is what it turned into. Um, okay. I hope that you take the time to read my email, and I wish you continued success in your business and podcast. Sincerely, Latte. Well, I hope that was helpful, Latte. Yeah, thanks, Latte. We poked a lot of fun there, but we really did. Um, we only do that to people that we, um, you know, like Ben said, it's a well-structured, well-written email, so then we can um, tee off on you even more. Um, dual is spelled D-U-A-L, not D-U-E-L, uh, when it's referring to a dual degree program. Oh, wait, hold on. So there is, there is, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so... I was, oh, how many times have we got this? One, two, three, four misspellings. The problem is that the spell checker is not going to catch this. Although it is. It is catching Google, it in Google here. Google Docs, it is, yeah. I don't know why. That's interesting. Um, it must, yeah, maybe it's a smarter spell checker, but dual yeah. the way is just referring to the contest. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a duel between the programs. What are you going <laughs> to... Cool. Anyway. Um, yeah, thanks, Latte. Don't waste your time with these dual degree programs. Uh, you got to decide whether you got to decide what kind of a lawyer you're actually going to be. And if you can't tell me, you know, and it doesn't have to be like set in stone that this is exactly the one type of lawyer you're going to be, and, and you're you're never going to change your mind. But you've got to be able to to point to, you know, show me a real person who has a job, and. He, here's what was required for them to get that job. Mm-hmm. And I really doubt you're going to show me somebody who needs to have an MBA or an MSW. If you do great, but <clears throat> the fact that you're just like, well, I could do a JD MBA or I could do a JD MSW. means you probably shouldn't do either. 
Yeah, whenever anyone says this is going to open doors for me, oh, right, just stop yeah. because that's just generic, like amorphous doors in clouds. They they don't exist. They're just like your imagination. Yeah, we need we need to get into the into into reality here. So, um, speaking of doors, mm-hmm. uh, you might want to start knocking on a few, you know, and and go actually talk to real lawyers. Yeah. And figure out how they got their job and figure out what you're going to have to do to get that job. If that is in fact a job you want, I think what you're going to discover is that the lives of lawyers are miserable (laughs) and you're going to have a hard time finding work that you actually want to do. And, you know, prove me wrong, please prove me wrong. Because I will be more than willing to recognize that, oh, good, you found a thing for you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in that case, you fucking win. Mm-hmm. But until you, again, rebut the presumption, I'm going to presume that there aren't any jobs for lawyers that you actually will want to do. Yeah. So go figure that out, though, before you go to law school, <laughs> because law school is not a good place to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And prove me wrong, and I will be very happy to be proven wrong. I like being proven wrong. Yeah. Thanks, Latte. Cool. Um, let's see. Do we need to do this last one because we teased it? Yes, we do. Okay, let's just do this one and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Sure, sounds good. Okay. Dear Nathan and Ben, I found your podcast in January and have been listening ever since. I am writing in to ask a few questions about RC and LG. Any suggestions you have would be greatly appreciated. Background. But we have some bullet points here, Ben. Hmm. Started prep in August. Diagnostic score, 151. Cool. That's a, that's a good, good start. Yeah, a good starting score. Took December LSAT and decided to retake in June. We don't have a score here. That would have been useful information. Mm-hmm. Started daily 35-minute sections with review in January. Oh, because that's when Avery started actually listening to the podcast and doing prep for real. Okay. Currently scoring low 160s. Okay. Cool. I'm thinking we can presume that the December LSAT was something in the 150s, huh? Mm, yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. Probably low-ish, 150s. Questions. Number one, RC is by far my worst section, and I'm struggling to improve in it. I'm only attempting three out of four passages. Out of the questions I attempt, the number I miss fluctuates a bit. Some sections I miss zero, and others I miss Eight, what advice do you have for your students whose scores jump around like mine? You want to take it? Sure. So first of all, you need to be much more aware of when you are not feeling confident about the answer choices that you're choosing. When you feel like you're somewhat guessing or not predicting an answer before you go into the answer choices and thus looking at the answer choices and wondering to yourself, hmm, does this seem like this could be the answer? Whenever that's happening, that means that the passage you read was not, you didn't read it very well. (laughs) And you need to go back and read it more carefully and engage with it more. When you are predicting answers, when you are feeling confident about why the correct answer is correct or the answer that you're choosing is correct and why the other answers are wrong, then that means you read well and you're on the right tra- track. And so when 
when Avery says some sections I miss zero and others I miss eight, I'm thinking, okay, so when you were missing zero, it seems to me like you were focused and engaged with the passage and understanding things. Um, and when you missed eight, like you weren't focused and you weren't engaged. And so you just need to become sensitive to when you're doing that and stop and fix the problem when your understanding is getting cloudy or hazy. Okay. I, I like that advice. Can I give a, an alternate hypothesis? Sure. What if Avery is basically a minus four and sometimes gets lucky and sometimes gets unlucky? Yeah. I was thinking that she could get lucky occasionally. I, um, I'm, I'm thinking though, that even in those cases when, um, you're getting lucky or, I mean, unlucky or whatever it is, the, whatever the case may be, there are times when people are understanding what's going on. And there are times when they're sort of guessing and when they're sort of guessing, they need to like stop and figure things out, I think. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. So that, yeah. I think either way, the advice is, is sort of the same. It's like, you know, stop focusing on the, the, the data, mm-hmm. you know, people love to just like look at the, the numbers and be like, Hey, my, my jumping around all over the place. How do I get this to be more consistent? And it's like, well, you're missing questions and the ones you missed, you basically just didn't read the passage closely enough, or you didn't read the question closely enough, or you didn't read the answer choices closely enough you picked an answer that did not answer the question mm-hmm. um, or that you picked an answer that incorrectly answered the question. Wow. That's why you didn't get a point for it. So read it better, <laughs> read the words and engage more with the passage and understand what you're reading. Mm-hmm. They're testing your reading comprehension. So if you, I mean, and boy, if you do three passages and you miss eight questions, that's some really poor comprehension. Yeah. I mean, you're just not understanding what you read. So lawyers are the people who understand what they read. There's sometimes you might be the only one in the room who is actually reading the document. Mm -hmm. That's your job. (laughs) Your, your job is to read all of it, every Mm -hmm. single word of it and to understand it. Yeah. So yeah, with reading comp in a lot of ways is a battle of will. Mm -hmm. You just, you just have to force yourself to do it. I have a feeling that Avery is worried about speed. You know, the fact that Avery's only doing three out of four passages probably is burning him a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's wishing he could get to four. He's hoping he's trying one of these days he's going to get to four. And so what he's doing is he's skimming the surface of these passages. He's skimming the surface of the questions and he's just making it hard on himself. He's falling into all the traps. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's getting beaten up by the wrong answer choices. You know, cause he's not, he's not making good predictions and then he's down there in the answer choices trying to find it Yeah, and then falling into all the traps. So read more carefully, predict the answers and you'll find your accuracy goes up a lot. Yeah. Um, LG way, is my, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Is Avery a, boy's name or girl's name i think it's a dude um i actually have a tutoring session booked on friday with an avery and so i think and uh that's a dude so okay all right lg is my best section and has been since my cold diagnostic my score in this section is very consistent 
I get through three out of four games and miss zero to one question almost every time. My problem is that I've been this consistent since I started prep in August. I have never gotten to the fourth game and feel I'm missing out on points I know I can get. How do I work on speeding up? Do more work Thank up you, front. Avery. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's right. Go yeah. Ahead. Do more work up front. Maybe you need to be creating worlds or. Yeah, 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 yeah. Worlds, maybe, man. Maybe you need to be doing more work before you go into the answer choices. I mean, maybe Avery is still kind of falling into this trap of like read the question and then say, okay, well, what about answer choice A? And Avery can get the right answer because Avery can work through all of the answers and try to prove them wrong or prove them right. But that's not the most effective or efficient or speedy way to get through the games. I think Worlds is just, I'm all about it, man. I I would never personally be able to finish the logic game section if I didn't sometimes make Worlds. Mm-hmm. And there, it's just, it doesn't always help. It's not always a home run, mm-hmm. but it's a home run so frequently. It's just it, frequently enough. Mm-hmm. That I mean, I'm trying to think of a section where there wasn't at least one game where you could have just completely hit a home run with Worlds. Yeah. I don't think there is such a thing. Yeah. I think every section of Logic Games ever produced, there's at least one game where if you would have made two Worlds or sometimes three Worlds before tackling the questions, you would have gotten through the questions vastly faster. Mm-hmm. So try. One thing I've been doing, I've been having fun recently with my students making Worlds um I'll have them make worlds multiple different ways. Yeah. Like, Hey, just almost like there's seven variables in the game Mm -hmm. and just sort of pick one of them at random. Like, Hey, what if you made worlds based on R? Oh, you don't like that. What if you made worlds based on S? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't like that. You know, and just like try it in several different ways. What about this rule right here? This conditional rule. What if you made a world where that rule applied and a world where the rule doesn't apply? Mm-hmm. What if you did that? What about the numbers? Like there's a, it's a grouping game where there's like one floating spot. Mm-hmm. What if you made worlds based on where that floating spot lives? Yeah. And I'll have, I'll have a student do the same game, like three different ways through like do worlds on mm-hmm. that same game, three mm-hmm. different ways. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it, it like blows their mind because they're like, wait, what? I thought that the worlds were supposed to be like this preordained thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah, and yeah. it's like no you're not quite understanding it or the technique of making worlds is an improvisational technique and you can successfully because it's actually sort of shocking if you pick like if you do literally pick at random like hey what if you made worlds based on s mm-hmm. frequently that will end up just totally unlocking the game yeah but also, it would have totally unlocked the game if you would have made worlds based on N or T yeah. or whoever, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I would I encourage the listeners to try this. Just get a piece of scratch paper and fuck around with a couple games where you do it one way and then you do it another way and then you do it another way mm-hmm. just to see how it works out if you do it in these different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't even, you can't anticipate how it's going to turn out until you do it. Yeah. That's the weird thing. So it's like if you're if you're struggling with games, like Avery seems like he's got a pretty good handle on at least the he he can figure them out and he can get them right, which is really important. Mm-hmm. 
But to get faster, he's going to need to get a bit more creative. And as you say, Ben, do a little bit more work up front. Mm-hmm. And Worlds is a great way to to make an investment up front that then really can pay off. Not just for one question, but for six questions. Yeah. I agree. Should we leave it there? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was show number 140. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs>